Broadcasting from WIUX LP Bloomington, welcome to American Student Radio. We're your hosts, Taylor Haggerty and Sophia Salaby. Our show today, What It Means to Be a Woman. You just heard protests from the Feminist Student Association Slut Walk, which happened in late April of this year. We'll revisit the event later in the show. We'll be talking about different aspects of womanhood from head to, well, you know. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. From Bloom... From... Uh, live... live... What is it? <clears throat> oh, ready? Should I do it again? From Indiana University in Bloomington. From Indiana University in Bloomington. This is... This is... This is American Student Radio. Real chill. Real chill. Aliens. Conspiracy. Journalism. And lesbians. So, full disclosure, this is a repeat episode of ASR. We broadcast all of these pieces on April 24th, and the show is hosted by ASR producer Colton Schaefer. The recordings got lost on their way to the internet, so we're going to try a second time to make sure we get it right this time. Um, so, what I remember from the first time we did this show, because I, I, uh, I did some of the hosting for it, was um, Colton talked about his experience shaving his legs for the first time, um, and kind of talking about how that fit into what's expected of men versus what's expected of women in terms of beauty standards. And uh, he actually, he lost the audio for that, so that was just a wash. <laughs> but <laughs> but honestly, it was just interesting to talk about how, like, um, in, like, last fall last year, I didn't shave my legs for, like, four months. Yeah. And then once it started to become spring, I was like, I'm not going to shave it. Like, I'm, I, like, I don't even care. And then, like, I started wearing, like, shorts and dresses. I was like, oh, God. So I shaved them. And I was like, why did I do that? I was so weak in that moment. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I've got, like, I remember back in high school, it was such a big deal. Like, I would shave my legs every single day just to make sure that they were, like, so very, very smooth. And now I, like, don't care all that much like I shave maybe once a week shaved this morning and cut myself which was not pleasant and like why would you do that to yourself honestly every single day if you don't have to and I even remember um I started shaving my armpits when I had to have been in like fifth grade because my mom was like maybe you should start doing that and but she didn't say anything about my legs but the more I thought about it the more I started to get self-conscious about it Mm, so I started shaving it without telling her or telling anybody and one time I nicked myself, it was really bad. I was like, oh. oh, I was just in the bathroom. I was like, I don't know what to do. And it was until later on that, like, my mom was, like, talking about shaving armpits, legs with my sister. And she was like, Sophia, what about your legs? I was like, I actually shaved my legs. And she was like, what? And it wasn't oh, a bad man. thing. But it was just, like, it was such, I, was, I felt like I was caught for a yeah. long time. It's kind of weird because I was, I have an older sister and I remember she used to like, when she first started to learn how to shave her legs and all that, she would cut herself all the time. And so by the time it was my turn, I was terrified. I did not want anything to do with that. I was like, I'm just going to be one of those people who never shaves their legs and it'll be fine. And my mom was like, no, you're not. You're shaving your legs. And so I <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I was forced into it because she did allow me to make the decision of when to start shaving my legs, but it was very much like, you're shaving your legs. That's a thing you have to do. So, 
Women in storytelling often get just a limited number of roles for them to play. In science fiction movies, they're restricted even further. But this might be changing thanks to newer films like Star Wars The Force Awakens. ASR producer Tristan Fitzpatrick presents a short history of women in science fiction movies. Out of all the movie genres, science fiction is one that can reveal the most about what it means to be human. What does it mean to be a woman in science fiction, then? Do the same preconceptions about women apply to this otherworldly genre of movies? Unfortunately, they sometimes can. Here's a brief history of female characters in science fiction films. Fritz Lang's 1927 film Metropolis contained one of the first major female characters in science fiction. The film is about a futuristic city in which underground workers operate heavy machinery to keep the city running, but they are mistreated frequently by the elites who live above the city. Maria is a school teacher who wants to bridge these two classes of people together. While Maria is given her own agency and purpose in the film, she's eventually saved by one of the male characters, reflecting the theme of women constantly being saved by men in storytelling. A few decades later, in 1972, Russian filmmaker Andrei Targovsky released Solaris, which some critics said was the Russian version of 2001 A Space Odyssey. In the film, a psychologist is sent to outer space to investigate why the members of an orbiting space station are behaving abnormally, only to encounter visions of his dead wife on board. Another trope that exists in science fiction films is that of female characters existing just to satisfy the desires of male characters, and Solaris is no exception to this. We can't have a conversation about women in science fiction films without mentioning Princess Leia in Star Wars, of course. Released in 1977, Star Wars changed the genre by combining elements of pretty much everything, from martial arts films to Eastern European religious philosophy. Despite Leia's prominent role in the original film, she unfortunately plays the part of damsel in distress overall, as she waits for Luke, Han, and the other male characters to rescue her from the Death Star. If Star Wars played into old tropes about women in storytelling, then Ridley Scott's Alien and James Cameron's Terminator 2 Judgment Day did their part to redefine the role of women within the genre. In 1979's Alien, Sigourney Weaver plays Ellen Ripley, the pilot of the Nostromo spaceship, which eventually encounters a, you guessed it, deadly alien creature on board the ship. Ripley is written as a tough, confident female character, and she doesn't take orders from her male crewmates. 1991's Terminator 2 Judgment Day is the sequel to The Terminator. In the future, John Connor will save humanity from Skynet, a corporation that created deadly cyborgs that are determined to wipe out humanity. But in the present, it's up to John's mom, Sarah Connor, to protect him from a cyborg that's been sent back in time to kill him and destroy the future of the human race. Similar to Ellen Ripley, Sarah Connor grabs a gun and plays the role of hero in the story. She also doesn't even have a male love interest in the film at all further subverting the role of women within the genre. This takes us to the present. Just last year, in Star Wars The Force Awakens, a female character named Rey was one of the protagonists in the film. But in this version of Star Wars, she does not wait around for male characters to rescue her. Rey continues the tradition of strong female characters in science fiction movies by bravely leaving her homeworld of Jakku to bring a droid to the efforts of the Resistance in the film's plot. If The Force Awakens is any indication, women definitely have a bright future in the world of science fiction. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Tristan Fitzpatrick. The music in that piece was from www.bensound.com. 
And it seems like across the board, media is beginning to represent women in new and diverse ways. ASR producers Sarah Panfill and Morgan Burris sat down to chat about some of their favorite feminist media. Yeah, it's recording now. Okay. (laughs) I thought we should start um, by introducing ourselves and what we're about to talk about. So my name is Sarah Panfill. I am a sophomore here. I am a woman. Uh, my name is Morgan Burris. I'm a senior here. I'm also a woman. <laughs> we want to talk about what we're watching, what we love, and why feminist media is important to us. I think feminist media in in and of itself is such a cool term because there wasn't feminist media 10 years ago or like 20 years ago. So how, how are we defining feminist media? Uh, media by women for women, or at least... Not maybe not for women, but representing women in a true way, right? And so I think part of it it began with the Bechdel test. Yeah, it was uh, it was the brainchild of Alison Bechdel. Uh, it has very simple uh, rules. They are there are two named female characters. They talk to each other um, about something other than a man, and that's all it is. And very few movies pass it. The Social Network doesn't pass this test. Harry Potter, like certain Harry Potter movies don't. I mean, oh, Avatar, that's so sad. The original Star Wars trilogy, Lord of the Rings, just a bunch of movies and a bunch of media doesn't necessarily concern itself with ladies. Producers and and people in Hollywood don't think that men can identify with a female protagonist, but it's kind of common knowledge that a woman can identify with a male protagonist. When, when people make a movie like Bridesmaids that's about women, the majority audience is expected to be women, even, even though it's a funny movie and, like, men can and do enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, for me personally, it isn't enough for a woman to be a central focus or even that the media is for women, by women. Being a woman isn't just one thing, right? There are all these different experiences that you can have as a woman um, you can be a transgender woman. You can be a woman of color. You can be a woman who is on, you know, the LGBT spectrum. You can. There are so many different ways that you can experience womanhood. Mm-hmm. And I really like media that explores that and ventures past just, oh, it's for women by women. It's like I want it to be, like, progressive and moving forward and, like, really pushing boundaries. Broad City is cool, I think, because at the heart of the show is a relationship between tw- two women, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like this, it's this close friendship. Yeah, and I, I think that we're really entering like a renaissance of female friendship, which is so cool. Like there's, there's Broad City. They mean, there's a thousand shows where it's just two lady best friends. Like, you know, the Anne and Leslie thing in Parks and Rec or like there's, there's a ton of female friendship happening, and I, I think that people are really starting to re-fall in love with that idea. Another show, and actually like a short-form web series, uh, that I know we're both really interested in right now is um, Shugs and Fats, which is the nicknames of the two main characters. And they're these two women, and they both are... They wear hijabs, they wear... I think they wear burqas. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like a full... It's the full-body um, garb. They're, they're so interesting in that they, they play this type of character, these uh, Muslim women who are best friends but who are breaking the stereotypes that surround them. And then in real life, they like kind of have, them, have those stereotypes thrust upon them, and they're just not true. Okay, so what does it mean to us to have 
feminist media in our lives? I mean, I just, I think it means representation. I mean, it's so exciting to be able to turn on the TV and not be just immediately offended by everything you see. And not that I'm like, you know, we, we all watch TV and we all have our whole lives. So like we've grown up with this idea that of women and it, it's empowering to see a different idea cropping up. Like, you know, if you grew up and you watched Friends, that's an entirely different idea than Broad City. You know, it, it, watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, you, you feel like equally unbreakable. And that's exciting because before you've been a little dainty wildflower, or at least that's my experience. We haven't talked about Samantha Bee, which is a tragedy because Samantha Bee is my all-time favorite human right now. I love Samantha Bee. She, uh, her writer's room is 50% men, 50% women. It's the most, it's the most diverse writer's room in late night right now. Um, And she's the only woman in late night right now. Yeah, if you don't know Samantha Bee, Samantha Bee was a former daily show correspondent she was the longest serving daily show correspondent then she was offered um her own show on tbs and she took it and now she's really replacing sort of a void for me from john stewart and she said herself that she thinks that she her show is from a woman's perspective and i totally see that as well um i mean i also want to give a quick shout out again to like some animated series that i love so like legend of Korra. Yes! I love Legend of Korra. That's an awesome show. I mean, if you haven't heard heard of Legend of Korra, you might have heard of Avatar The Last Airbender, which is it's the, in the same universe. Um, I just wanted to talk about Legend of Korra because it does focus on a woman. The way that they portray love interests is really interesting, especially. The fact that they don't focus as much on the love interest. Like, there is a love interest in the beginning, this guy friend of hers that kind of takes a back seat to her real life and her real like adventures and experiences and she's like a total badass and that's awesome to make sure that the woman is not the prop and to make sure that women can have real adventures and experiences in tv or in any media yeah i mean like women are gross and women are great and women are sexy and ugly and awesome and there's so many different facets to a woman just like there are to guys. And, like, that's that's the problem. It's just the representation up until very recently has been very two-dimensional. And it's amazing to see a person, not even somebody you can identify with, because I don't have to identify with every character that I see. I just have to recognize that that character is a person. And that's just starting to happen with women. Uh, let's just take turns. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, full frontal with Samantha B. Oh, yeah. Um, Her story, web series, rad. Uh, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, but specifically any piece that Jessica Williams produces. So true. Shugs and Fats. 30 Rock. Yes. Um, Okay. Adventure Time. Uh, Parks and Recreation. Yes. Legend of Korra. Avatar The Last Airbender. Have we said Master of None? No, we have not. Master of None. Master of None. Um, Yeah, I mean, that kind of... Does it for my quick list? Um, I want to throw out one more. Uh, Maria Bamford is coming out with a new show on Netflix. She uh, does a lot of stuff about her um, her mental breakdown, which I think is a uh... oh Bob's Burgers. We didn't even mention Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Bob's Burgers, watch it. Also feminist. Lady Dynamite is Maria Bamford's new show. It hasn't it hasn't come out yet, but watch the trailer. It's going to be good. It's based on her real-life experiences with having a mental breakdown uh, in the middle of being a woman in comedy. Rad. Okay. Thanks for listening. I'm 
Sarah Panville. I'm Morgan Burris. And for American Student Radio in Bloomington, we're those people. And we're signing off now. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should keep that train wreck in. (laughs) Okay, I'm really really stopping it. All right, uh, so we thought that we would kind of follow that up and talk about some of the shows that they talked about in their piece and some of our favorite shows. And I should say that we're also joined by Hannah Boomershine, who is um, one of our newest ASR members who will be joining us in the fall. So what do we think, guys? Well, I think one of the things that's really interesting is there seems to be a lot of emphasis on female-led content in recent years. Not necessarily that it's like a majority or what everyone wants to see, but you see things like on Netflix, there's a whole category for strong female leads. And like, there are all these things about lists of 100 female led podcasts. Like you can tell that people are looking for this sort of stuff because there are places that you can find it now. Yeah. Well, something that we talked about earlier with that was just that, you know, why, why does this strong female lead though have to be like a certain type of woman why does she always have to be you know versed in some martial art or um you know able to like act in a way that men act why can't she act in a stereotypically female way and also be perceived as being strong and powerful too so that's something I would want to see more in the future like women like that included in that category yeah or like even if they're gonna have a woman that has certain masculine traits like she's physically powerful why can't they just go the full way why does she also have to be beautiful and sexy and all these things like why can't she actually be like the man's role even because then you know you're still breaking down barriers and you're making a different character that no one's seen before instead of having like the femme fatale who's like beautiful and killer and strong and perfect like you know like it's, a, a mary sue yeah you know that sort of stuff um why can't you just have a girl who instead of being sexy is messy and does get dirty and does know how to fight people and things like that without constantly catering to the male gaze i think it's just it's kind of a hard sell either way because regard like i feel like there's not enough women writers in writers rooms for Absolutely tv shows not. but even then it's hard because you want to write a certain like the right woman but it's hard because you don't know whether it's going to go too far in one way or too far in the other or if it's going to make money because unfortunately that's a big part of what how things get made so i don't know one of the they talked about bridesmaids in um uh their store in their conversation and uh, i think bridesmaids is kind of this like uh this point where people realized even though the movie it was pretty cheap to make but they realized that they could make money off a movie that is led by females that is strictly comedy it's not like a Mm rom-com it's not really about men so um i don't know i feel like that was kind of the turning point where stuff started to get made you see all these melissa mccarthy movies where where she's leading and it's just kind of it's silly. Not all of them are great, honestly, but not every movie with Adam Sandler is great. Actually, most of them are not that good, <laughs> in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, and then you can see, like, it's actually sort of making waves a little bit, because now we're getting the female Ghostbusters movie, yes. which, from what I've seen, not a rom-com, not anything like that. It's strictly comedy with four female leads, and, like, I want to see that movie. I don't know how it's going to be. I've never seen any of the original Ghostbuster films, but I'm here for that. 
Yeah, like I, I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna endorse Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters, as a as a piece of feminist media because I haven't seen it, so I don't want to uh, put that out. But definitely having females leading a comedy, but it's also like there's action elements to it. So if you are not sure what to see this weekend and you have a bunch of girlfriends you want to hang out with, I would say go see Ghostbusters. That's what I'm gonna do. Um, and I also think it's funny that they've kind of flipped uh, this idea of having, like, the sexy, dumb secretary. And in this movie, it's Chris Hemsworth. Because yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, he's, like, the perfect, like, like that's such a good choice. And it's just so funny because it kind of, it makes it, when you see Chris Hemsworth, like, like, walking around, like, very attractive and everybody's looking at him in a certain way, it looks ridiculous. But then you realize that's how it is in, like, every movie and every TV show where there's the sexy secretary or assistant. Yeah, and what, like, I think what's interesting about that is obviously it's sort of a play on the roles that usually females are given in comedies and things and action movies, but, like, they're not being over the top about it, I don't think. Like, they're not making him act effeminate. They're not making him do any of these things. I don't think, again, the movie hasn't come out yet, so I don't know. He's just being, like the dude who works at the front desk. <laughs> which in itself is kind of funny because we've never seen that before. Like, it really shouldn't be funny because there are guys who work as secretaries and who do that sort yeah. of thing. But we've never seen it. So in itself, like, being presented that way in media, it's sort of like, oh my god, they're gonna have a really cute guy secretary. They're gonna have Thor as a secretary. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hannah, are there any other TV shows or movies or anything, podcasts, that, you're, that you've been listening to, watching to, that you think... Um, should be in this big list that we're this very arbitrary list that we have of feminist media. Oh, so arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the ones that they mentioned um, previously was Parks and Recreation. That's always oh. been my favorite. And I think like what's so great about it is like it doesn't like all the characters. There's it's a diverse cast, and so with women, it doesn't hinge on one female character portraying like all women. So you don't fall into, you know, thinking like, okay, there's just, you know, women are Leslie, nope. But no, then women are also April and they're Donna. You know, you see like a diversity of race and also of like just personality too. Um, And no one dies in that show. I love that. Like nobody (laughs) dies, which is, it just seems like a lot of women and like people of color and LGBTQ people are always like killed off in shows but that show is just so pure and happy and And not only that but they're there for like the entire show the cast stays consistent so you do get to see like Donna at the beginning versus who she is at the end and you see like the growth of these female characters as well they have storylines they're three dimensional you can like relate to them even if they're not necessarily anything like you you can be like oh but I'm really feeling for Anne in this particular moment and like it's one of those things where even if you aren't that person, you can be like, I feel that. And it's su- I just started rewatching that show for like the third time, and <laughs> so I love good. it. So. And then um, this is kind of an, well, it's not exactly an offshoot, but Aziz Ansari, he's obviously on Parks uh-huh. and Rec. But he um, put out a Netflix show, it had to have been last summer, last fall, uh, or, yeah, I think last fall, called Master of None. And that touches on a lot of issues about race and there's one really important episode that kind of after he starts dating a girl for uh, more of a long-term relationship and it kind of points out how men regardless of their background they kind of go through life not realizing what women have to go through on a daily basis whether that's like walking home um, by themselves after like a night out Mm -hmm. or like um, 
one of the big issues of it is they meet this director and the director makes it a point to introduce himself to the three men at the table, but just passes over the three women. Like they're not people, like they're not important. So, um, I don't, I feel like we could talk about this forever, but do we want to go around real quick and say a couple of things, uh, like short descriptions of things that we're really into? Um, I don't want to put you guys on the spot. In terms of feminist media, you mean? Yes. So I know this is kind of silly because it's supposed to be like a children's cartoon, but I personally adore Steven Universe. I really love everything about that show. I love all of its gender presentation. I love that there are queer women on it and they're not made into tropes. They're not killed off. They're allowed to be happy and to live their lives. I love, like... There's that one episode, The Answer, where you learn all about Ruby and Sapphire and how they met and how they fell in love and became Garnet. And it's just this, it's a wonderful thing because it's showing these things to small children, too. And it's teaching them that, like, hey, queer relationships exist. And look at all these strong females. Like, Steven has three moms. How cool is that? And it's like, there are so many diverse wonderful female characters in that show and it's so cute at the same time and so easy to understand and I really love it. Yeah, this is like I don't, I, okay, so the show that I have really gotten into kind of you know, a little bit late on this train, but Portlandia, I love like their portrayal and it's almost like mocking in a way of like um, well, the feminist bookstore, and I, <laughs> but I love that because it takes something that a lot of people are afraid to talk about, like gender, um, and making it, like poking a little bit of fun at it and making you question things. You know, they take things to an extreme, but I just women and women, first. yeah, women <laughs> and women first, and and you know, there's like super hardcore second wave, um, but it, I don't know, it makes you really, you know, it, may, it at least for me has made me actually think deeper about some issues even though you know they're pushing it a little bit (laughs) and then I guess my last thing is Morgan and Sarah they say this at the end of their thing that Maria Bamford was going to have a show out on Netflix called Lady Dynamite and since um, we first did this show um, that show has been put online I watched it all in like two days and it is so good Um, it's kind of about uh, this Maria Bamford's experience, a little bit fictionalized, a little bit surreal, um, about how um, she has dealt with um, mental illness. She has, I think, unwanted thought syndrome and bipolar, um, bipolar um, disorder, and then also she deals with some anxiety. So it kind of um, just goes through that whole going through a breakdown and then coming back from that. And it's just so good and so funny. She's so um, quirky. I don't know. It makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> and does so many, just so many voices. Please watch. Uh, <laughs> please watch Lady Dynamite. Um, and so back when we first did the show, Morgan and Sarah posted a list of the media they mentioned in that piece on our Facebook page. So I will probably reshare that. So if you're interested in going back and looking at any of those things, um, it's all there. And uh, yeah, we'll be back after a short break. Thanks for listening to American Student Radio. We broadcast from WIUX 99.1 FM every Sunday at noon. In this episode, you've heard a few stories about femininity and what it's like to be a woman. This week, we asked our producers what they carry around in their purses, what they can't leave home without. Pocket number one, let's see here. If anything will come out. See, we have some Sharpies, a 
speeding ticket. My necklace that I thought I lost. Oh my gosh, the little candy ring that my grandma gave me on Easter. A bunch of pens, so many pens. My lighter bottle opener that doesn't light. Oh, there's a spark. Oh, there we go. My real lighter, my Saint, my Saint Francis medal, which I used to wear every day and then thought I lost. Okay, uh, a tiny notebook that's all filled up at this point. Um, I always carry, I have deodorant in a different pocket. I always carry deodorant, which, believe it or not, comes in handy, like, all the time. Like, we were out this weekend, and, like, one of my friends was a little whippy, and I was like, ooh, girl, I got you covered. My headphones and my keys always go in the right pocket, and then my phone always goes in the left, and my wallet goes in my back pocket when my back pocket can fit it. Uh, <laughs> specifically back left. Follow us on Twitter at ASR Voice and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash American Student Radio. And check out our website, americanstudentradio.org. Now, back to the show. Hair plays a massive role in constructing identity. It is personal and social, cultural and global, and it is a huge piece of what it means to be a woman. Producers Sasha and Emily set out to determine what hair means to Bloomington. In the words of Lady Gaga, I am my hair. Hair says a lot about a person, whether it's long or short, dyed or natural, neat or messy. So we asked people around Bloomington why they have the hair that they do, and why they may not have the hair that they want. For some, it comes down to sports, studies, and career. Um, my name is Sarah Shedd. And how old are you? I'm eight and a half years old. And what's your name? Anne Shedd. Usually sometimes I, like, kill my hair. But um, I, just, I do it like this usually because it's just comfy and it and it's just sloppy and it's fun to do and it's easy. So yeah. Didn't you go to the salon like two nights ago? Yeah, and I killed she my hair. To, what do you mean you killed your hair? It looked amazing, but it like like um, killed it. Okay, but, I yeah, but Whatever. like it wasn't. If it were alive, if my hair were alive, I'd be your complaining hair is alive. all the time. They're, this is yeah, but living. If, it were, if like if your hair could talk, I'd be complaining all the time because <laughs> your hair would be complaining mess, if it could it, talk. And you hurt it and you like iron it. But no, wait, because you do have a reason why your hair is the way your hair also, is. Also, because I do gymnastics. So, so do you have? To, what do you have to do for gymnastics? Um, all I really do is, like, when I get home, I just I go down, put my hair up, and I'm ready. That's basically it. For well, this. I, I give you a bun. You oh yeah, bun. yeah, I do my bun. I'm Katya. I'm, I'm Shannon. We're both PhD students in the philosophy department. My hair is actually normally extremely curly and fluffy, so I straighten it every day or every other day. So what I don't like to do with my hair is let it go natural. Oh, really? Why is that? Too unmanageable and weird, poopy looking. Right. And it probably also deals with conceptions of femininity that, you know. Oh, and we have to worry about professionalism. Yeah, professionalism, you know, unkempt hair. All the, all the stuff, that, all the yeah. crap that goes into academia. Hi, I'm Jared Kelly. I'm a freshman ballet major. Uh, at Indiana University. <laughs> okay, hi, I'm Anna. I'm a freshman ballet major here as well. I would love to get a perm, like really crazy curly hair, but I can't do that with ballet. Why not? It has to look professional, to get it up real slick back, but yeah. And for others, options vary because hair varies across texture, thickness, and culture. What do you need to know to cut a black person's hair? You need to be able to, like, cut it evenly because with Caucasian hair, you can, like, kind of mess a few things up when it comes to, like, men's hair, men's haircuts. 
but with ours since it's so close that it has it has to be like really even or it doesn't look right my name is Brittany Gasama. I'm a freshman here at IU. Right now in my hair I have uh, what are called faux locks, which are just like fake dreadlocks, I guess you could say. Um, they're not real, like I can take these down. They're just like single braids, um, and then you, you take other hair and you twist it on top of the braids. I guess I was looking for a different look. I did have straight hair before this, so I wanted to, I don't know, have a more natural look, I guess you could say. I'm getting looks, but they're not like bad looks. It's just like people look at me more. And I've had people tell me like they like my clip thing or they like my hair, period. So I've been getting some good reviews, I guess you could say. And then there's color. My hair's been every color that it could possibly be, including purple, blue, green, yellow, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just depending on the mood. Yeah. And often, the money. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you change it? Now, I mean, like, I haven't done colors for a while because, I don't know, I don't feel it. I don't feel like it anymore. I don't know. If the, everybody has color now, so I don't want to have color. Uh, I'm Morgan. I'm a freshman here. I'm Lauren, also a freshman. I'm Bristol, also a freshman. I'd say just go and do it. So, like, I don't know, if you want your hair green, do it. Like, why not? You can just hair. My mom always, like, Lauren, it's just your hair. You do what you want. And so, yeah, like if you like purple hair, dye your hair purple. Don't be afraid. Shave the side of your head. Get like designs in it or something. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you like. My name's Georgia. Georgia. Um, beautiful name. <laughs> and I went to the music school, but I graduated like three years ago. Um, it was like dyed really like blonde for a while, and then I would put like blue and purple in the back, and then we just did it all purple eventually. But for it to like not be this color would be like long process because we just keep dying over it so we like put some highlights in it recently and when we bleached it it was just they just turned hot pink so that was is what would happen if I would was to just like bleach my hair so it's like a long process to change it. Really into the idea of like having a bunch of different colors like um, blue and purple and pink and but like I said I've worked so hard for it to be the way that it is right now that I would have to like really commit to not having it like that. I think I have a lot, like I've always had a lot of like self-esteem issues, right? And so, and feeling like people are always looking at you and like what, are the, so if you can control, right, what people look at or what people comment on, if you don't like my purple hair, whatever, but I can kind of like control what you're critiquing. But I think like when you really think about it, that's where it comes from, you know? Uh, I think my hair is an expression of my personality. So I've had a range of interesting colors in my hair. I used to have pink hair, I used to have green hair, blue hair. Um, now this is... I attempted a slightly more adult hair color, so it's dark red. Um, and I like this color because it looks like pink. Yeah. What, explain what you are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little odd. And then, of course, perceptions and expectations twist together into a braid of social intention. With the gender binary, media tells us we need to, women need to have uh, long hair on our heads but be hairless anywhere else. That's hard because that's, I feel like, such an unrealistic thing for so many women. But I feel like that's definitely how we're shown women should be. Like, right. that's what femininity is. And then, like, when you cut it all off or you cut it shorter, people are like, oh, now she's a lesbian. Or, oh, like, they immediately, like, stigmatize you as that. And it's like, no. My hair was never shiny and long like that, and I didn't like it. So right. cut it off, and I like this, you know? I think a lot of it has to do with preference. But then also, I think a lot of women, like, kind of like to make statements with their hair almost. Because there is that kind of expectation that women should be hairless and everything, and then they should, you know, have beautiful hair on top of their head and stuff. 
but I don't know for people like me it takes like hours to achieve that like I've literally spent hours shaving before because I am so hairy so eventually I just kind of got to the point where I was like like I'm just gonna like do my thing you know and I think that had a lot more to do with like just being comfortable in my own self as opposed to like wanting to say something I have long hair because I think it's sexier. I I feel better with long hair, and I make it pretty the way I like it because if I feel good about it, I feel good about myself. There's all it's confidence, and I don't know. But who doesn't want to be sexy? For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Sasha Sokolchik. And I'm Emily Miles. So we had so much fun at the pitch meeting for this show, um, talking about all the different stories we could tell about hair. I think that was half of all the pitches. Mm. So I think we decided that we would do a whole show on hair um, this coming semester. So hopefully that happens. I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah. Our producers were also really excited about covering one other thing that a lot of women can relate to, um, periods. So they're like a part of our lives and something that we live through once a month and yet no one ever talks about them. Um, and producer Casey Ross set out to deconstruct the menstrual cycle while also dealing with an issue that's close to IU's campus. This is the audio from a real Playtex tampon commercial. We've all seen them. There's girls in skirts or in tennis uniforms, twirling and jumping around. There's so many bright colors and poppy music. And we can't forget that blue liquid they use that's supposed to somehow resemble what comes out of us girls each month. But the poppy music, the twirling, that's not even close to how some girls feel while they're on their periods. Um, bloated and moody. Um, I definitely don't feel like the girls in the commercial where I'm like flipping off of diving boards or doing cartwheels. Let's, we'll answer it. bags of sludge. Bags Remember of sludge. Yes. yes. No, that's so true. I feel like yeah. a bag of sludge. Like a bag of sludge. Yeah. I like that a lot. I said that once, that. and that's like what we all say now. We're like, oh, I'm feeling like a bag of sludge. Yeah. I'm going to start using that. That is great. Worm. Yes. That is great. We use worm a lot, too. That's just a word you use. It's not for your period. <laughs> no, but you can feel that way in your period as well. You can totally feel that way. So we have these totally unrepresentative commercials that we have to watch all the time that show us swimming and jumping off of diving boards. When really, just like she said, a lot of us feel like a bag of sludge. So we have to deal with that, and we also have to deal with the tampon tax. A bill to end the so-called tampon tax here in New York State is now headed to the governor's desk. For Cleveland area women, says Ohio's tax on female sanitary products is a tax against women. A tax only women have to pay. Now there's a battle heating up to change that. Do you consider tampons a luxury or a necessity? Michigan may be the next state to eliminate what's known as the tampon tax. The tampon tax is just what it sounds like. It's a tax placed on tampons and other feminine hygiene products that many think is sexist. Women all over the nation have started debating it, saying that something as necessary as tampons shouldn't be taxed. Legislation has been proposed in many states throughout the country to get rid of this tax. So we have to listen and we have to watch these unrealistic portrayals of our periods on TV and in other forms of media. And we also have to pay taxes on items that could be arguably really necessary. I mean, I don't want to walk around without a pad or a tampon in. But that wasn't really what got me paying attention to this whole period issue. What really got me paying attention was right here in IU's campus. Here we go. All right. And Valentine has that. Awesome. That's so exciting. Let's check the other side. Yep. Right next to the bathroom, Gafridi. They're there. Yay. So when I was a freshman, I realized something. 
started my period for the first time while I was going to school here and I was really kind of nervous. You don't really know it's your first time walking to class and going to class and being far enough away from home that if you start your period, you're going to have to kind of handle it on your own. And so I went to class and I had to go to the bathroom. I had to change my tampon. And so I walked into the bathroom. I did my business. And then I sat there and I realized there were no feminine hygiene trash cans in the stall. Which was really surprising to me because I've been in a lot of public restrooms in my day and they always have that. They always have that feminine hygiene trash can in the stall. And so I became terrified. I was like, what am I going to do? I can't throw away this stuff. I can't throw away my feminine hygiene stuff in the middle of everybody being able to see it. That's gross. And I don't want people to judge me. And so I kind of just sat there and I waited a long time and I waited for everybody to leave. And then once I heard everybody was gone... I took it and I ran out of the bathroom and I threw it away real fast and I washed my hands and I ran completely out of the bathroom. And so I started to wonder, how many bathrooms on campus don't have these trash cans? I mean, it's a big university and a lot of the buildings are old and I was like, I need to find out. So I took my recorder and I walked from bathroom to bathroom around campus and this is what I found. I want to preface this and say that I never once recorded in a bathroom where somebody else was using it. I always made sure that nobody else was in the bathroom while I walked in and had my recorder turned on. So something I noticed when I did this before was that all of the old buildings, so we're talking like Morrison, Jordan Hall, those kind of buildings didn't have trash cans installed, but all the newer ones, so like the new Kelly building, Ernie Pyle, stuff like that, they had them installed. So is it just like when we walk into an old building, our period is supposed to stop? <laughs> are we supposed to go back in time? I don't know. So I'm walking. I'm gonna start on the second floor. We're next like where the Wittenberger is. Pretty popular place on campus. Here we go. They have them! Yay! The union's doing good. That's what I'm excited to see. So now we're walking up to Jordan Hall, which is a little bit older. So let's see what they got to offer us. Alright, I'm going to check and see if anybody is in the bathroom. Nobody's in here. It's two stalls, and there are no feminine hygiene trash cans in the stalls in Jordan Hall. There's like a main communal trash can, but like, that's it, so you gotta bring it out of the stall. Wow, yeah, not good, not good at all. All right, now we know, Jordan Hall, avoid if you're on your period. It's so funny, because like the fact that I'm walking around with a microphone, people are staring at me already. But the fact that I'm talking about periods so openly with the microphone around campus is really funny. Let's go to Rawls. Alright, so we're in Rawls. Let's check it out. Alright, so Rawls has them. They're a little bit different than you can tell. They're definitely older. Um, but they have them. They're on the floor. And it's kind of like shared between two stalls. Which is kind of gross as well, if you think about it. So there's like two stalls next to each other and there's one in the middle. Um, if you guys are throwing something away at the same time, odds are you might be touching each other. Alright, we just got out of Rawls. Walked into Swain. 
All right, we're inside. Let's go find a password. This might have been the bathroom that started it all for me, now that I think about it. It's coming back. All right, let's check and see if anybody's in here. Nobody's in here, and there are no trash cans in the stalls. There's one communal. This is where it started out for me. Now I remember, it's coming back. Freshman year, Astronomy 101. I was sitting in here, 9.30 in the morning, had to change my dad. Pretty busy, because it was for lecture time. And I was terrified. It's weird. You feel judged. And you shouldn't feel judged. There should not be this taboo around it. So I walked around and I was disappointed. And I wondered, am I the only person who's noticed this? So I asked some girls around me. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but a lot of the bathrooms around here don't have feminine hygiene trash cans in the stall. Have you guys I've noticed that? Yeah. How does it make you feel? Um, awkward, because you don't know what to do with your yeah. Yeah. tampons. And I think that's like really gross, too, because like... Like, we all understand, we can all relate to it, but you also still don't want to see it, like, in an open garbage. And, like, there's really a, there's, like, it's important to have them. It's, like, for everyone's yeah. sanity. Nobody wants to look at it. We exactly. know what happens. It's that's annoying because it's bad for the toilet. Exactly what not to do, and I'm not going to, like, carry it out exactly. of the stall with me. It's awkward. I just feel bad because it's not supposed to be happening. Like, like it shouldn't be going in there. Because you have to throw it if you do, like, wait. Or if there's no one in the bathroom, you have to wait and, like, throw it in the actual trash can that people, like, throw other things in that's, like, out in the open. It's gross. Yeah. yeah. So I learned that I'm not the only person that notices this. But it left me with an even bigger question than when I began. Should we begin fighting for these trash cans to be installed? Or should we fight to make periods a less taboo subject? Or should we just fight for both? From American Student Radio, I'm Casey Ross. So um, to end our show, I wanted to go back to what we started our um, episode with. So I, along with uh, our producers, Sarah Panfill and Carter Barrett, went to the Slut Walk last April. It's an event hosted by the Feminist Student Association that seeks to empower women and take back the word slut. So I brought some clips from the event. Um, You heard the chants of Slut Walk participants as they made their way down Kirkwood at the top of the hour. So what were people's general reactions to the Slut Walk? Um, I think generally it was pretty good. Um, There were people and they had their cameras out, obviously. There were some people who were like pumping their fists or like thumbs up, like general like nods, like positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. From what I heard the year before, it was, um, it had to, I I can't remember all the different circumstances that were around it, but there were a lot more drunk people that were around apparently. I think it was on like a Friday instead of like a Thursday. So women were getting called out a lot more. So that was kind of problematic. So they changed the event time. But I think it was, it generally was a good experience. Everybody felt happy about what they were doing. Like nobody seemed upset, really. So um, one of the questions that was, uh, that we went around and asked people was what they thought the word slut meant. Um, so here's Sarah Panville asking a woman named Jocelyn that question. What does the word slut mean to you guys? I've been thinking about that a lot. Let me think about it. I don't have a real answer to that, but what I've been pondering is that um, I like the use of it in this context because it's like 
this community is regaining use of the word and turning it into something positive. So people keep asking me the slut walk, like, why would you call yourself a name like that? And so, I don't know. I don't know yet. So what, what did you think about that, that answer? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of it does come down to this recent trend of reclaiming words that have been used against you. And when it comes to things like that, like, it isn't a word you want to hear anyone else say. Like, it is something that you want to say as a sort of empowerment. Like, people have used this against me, but I'm not going to let them anymore. Doesn't mean they can still use it against you. Yeah, and I think, from what I remember, all the people I asked, they were either like, I don't know, or it's okay to use in this context, but not okay for men to use it, or women to use it in a negative context. So I think Mm. they're... It's less about the word, maybe, but just the idea, maybe. Yeah, I think a lot of it is based in the idea and the intent behind the word. Like, if it's being used in a derogatory fashion against anyone, it doesn't have to be women, but specifically it is a gendered word that's typically used to shame women for living sexual lives. So you've got to be careful about how you use it, because it has had a very negative impact, so to use it like it doesn't mean anything and like that history isn't there would be using it improperly. And this theme about women and their sexuality was kind of um, prevalent through the entire um, slut walk experience. Mm -hmm. They had three speakers and the event's final speaker was Lisa Kwong, a professor of English and Asian American studies. And here's the end of her presentation, um, which was called Not Your China Doll or Dragon Lady, um, which is about her experience of the sexual stereotyping of Asian women. While most of the speech has identified men as aggressors, women have been guilty of perpetuating these extreme stereotypes as well. One Halloween, when I was in college, one of my classmates came to band rehearsal with Chinese takeout and the crude drawing of a takeout box emblazoned across the front of her white t-shirt while her phone number was scrawled across the back. To add insult to injury, she wore pencils as chopsticks in her ginger hair. While my social consciousness was still awakening at that point in time, I knew this was wrong. This was disturbing. Later, when I spoke to my anthropology professor, she shared my disgust and said, you have every right to be angry given the history of sexually stereotyping Asian women. More recently, in 2012, I emailed Victoria's Secret customer service, lambasting them for their sexy little geisha lingerie modeled by one of their blondes. No one ever responded to my message, but I'm assuming there was enough outrage from Asian Americans that a week later, the online org page to that outfit no longer existed. What both these instances taught me was that white audiences are not afraid to consume and even ridicule iterations of Asian cultures and objects, but they fail to consider the humanity of Asian and Asian American women and how we might feel about these false representations. So how can these stereotypes be stopped? Much like stereotypes that other communities of color have had to endure, it won't be easy given the longevity of these exaggerated and false images but like Matsumiya and her Instagram account, we can expose and make people aware of the creepers, the stalkers, the fetishizers, the cultural appropriators. We can speak up for ourselves. We can determine our identities and sexualities. 
we can tell our own stories. Let us all unite in demolishing these stereotypes. Let us put a stop to other people determining our identities without consent. To the men and boys who shout at us from their cars or while walking downtown or who creep on us from behind their computer screens. Asian and Asian American women are not your China dolls, not your dragon ladies. We are strong and brave women. We are warriors. We are survivors. We are human beings. Thank you. And finally, here's an interview that um, Carter did with a woman named Meg Davis. All right, so what brought you out to Slutwalk? Well, um, you're actually the second reporter to ask me so far, and basically I'm using this event as, like, my way of coming forward about my own sexual assault. I have this sign, and it says, I wasn't asking for it, no one is. So I'm hoping that kind of being in this crowd of people who are all saying the same message is going to make it impossible for people to hear it. What is your personal definition of a slut? That's what we've been asking everybody. My personal definition of a slut is... Someone who doesn't care about what society says is good and proper, because that's bullshit anyway. So um, after the slot walk, after they walked down to the courthouse, everybody went to the Blockhouse, which is a venue in Bloomington, and shared their stories in a very safe space about dealing with sexual assault, domestic abuse. And it was really powerful how candid people were and how how now that you can be open about that type of thing, like this woman who was, who Carter talked to. Yeah. And I think it helps that like, they knew they were in a safe space. They were surrounded by other people who supported them and who were willing to like stand up for them as they sort of reclaim this word and other people who were trying to reclaim the word slut. And like, it was this nice place where people knew they could be open about it because no one was going to shame them for being open about it. And I think it's interesting that people took this as a, as a chance to both reclaim this word slut, but also um, come out about their stories about mm. about all this. And, um, and a, one of the big themes is that slut was used against all these women when they were in these relationships without um, their consent or in domestic abusive or in abusive relationships where, um, where slut was used against them in such a way. So it was kind of powerful to see them taking that word back and using it to maybe not describe themselves, but to say, like, this word doesn't have power over me anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the whole point of the walk. Like, that's what it's meant to do. So, you know, sounds like it was successful in that, right? I think it went well, <laughs> and I'm sure um, it'll be great next year. It's um, It was in April. I think it's always around the springtime. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been your host, Sophia Salaby. And I'm Taylor Haggerty. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of American Student Radio. Keep an eye on our social media pages for more information on our summer schedule, including when our next episode will air. Thanks for listening to American Student Radio. We're produced by students from Indiana University in Bloomington. Follow us on Twitter at ASR Voice and like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash American Student Radio. Our theme music is provided by Lunamatic. 
Check out Lunamatic's music at www.soundcloud.com slash lunamatic. That's L-U-N-A-M-A-T-I-C. We'll have new episodes every Sunday on WIUX and streaming on our website at www.americanstudentradio.org. 